we mentor the next generation? This past Saturday at Men's Coffee, Dan shared this amazing uh, teaching time about how to mentor Generation Z, and it was I thought it was so captivating, so good. I wanted to bring the the amazing uh, understanding, the wisdom, the depth of insight that Dan had that morning. I need to go back and listen to this. <laughs> I I'm must just, have still been at that just, time in the morning. I was still asleep. I know. There's nothing like D- Dan walking into a room at 7 a.m. Yeah, he's realizing like, <laughs> that I had gotten out of bed at 6:56. Dan is like he is running. He's like that's not at your optimal best. No, right? It's not. I'm not ashamed of that. Um, but hey, I'll, I'll arm wrestle you at three in the morning. <laughs> I am Ben. I'm here with Dan. We are the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship Church in Cornelius, North Carolina. And like I said, we are going to be doing a couple episodes on mentoring the next generation. And so, Dan, um, I know I was just kind of being, you know, a little goofy up front, but I really thought when I was done. And the the men that were in that room, I thought were really, um, I, I felt like we got a better grasp of what what the what Generation Z is all about and what we can do to help mentor them. And you you kind of painted this picture of who they are, um, what we need to know, uh, how we how do we build bridges into that generation. And I just thought I just left knowing that I have three kids myself that are in Gen Z. Um, Man, I just I left there with a sense of uh, gratitude that I was able to hear all the things that you shared, but also a sense of like, yeah, we can do this. Because I think a lot of times, Dan, wouldn't you agree? A lot of people look at the younger generation and they're thinking, "What's wrong with these?" You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> both that, like, what's wrong with these these whippersnappers? Yeah, you know, cut off my grass. And but the other thing is they're intimidating because. You know, they're, they're, Why do you think that is? I don't know. I faced that to some extent a, a lot when I was running day schools, though. High school kids can be intimidating. They're 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 smart. They're smart aleck. They, they speak a different a language. They speak a different language. They look at you as if you're old when you're not. You're old. I mean, literally in my twenties, they kept talking about how old I was. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of those kind of things. They're just coming into adulthood. They've got the world the, by the, the frontal lobe is not developed. It's not yet. developed. Therefore, they say exactly what's on their mind, and often <laughs> it's cruel, make you go home and cry. <laughs> but no, th- but mentoring the next generation, I think, is really really important because it is a huge privilege and opportunity for mm. all of us. I, I've enjoyed it. I think part of it was because I spent years, early years of my ministry teaching high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have never intimidated me, uh, but they, they do. Um, I'm very curious about them. Yeah. Um, and then each generation has changed. So I've watched dramatic changes in the, in the kids that I've worked with who were in their teens and early twenties. Um, Obviously, I'm a college professor, but that has only been limited help to me because I'm a graduate school professor, so I've got students literally older than me, and that's saying mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but having worked with them now in our church for over five years, um, and then raising some as well, mine are, mine are just now leaving that Zoomer stage. But um, so so I, we're doing two episodes, correct? Yeah, we're going to try to do okay, it. So what, what, you know, I think the first episode we need to focus on why do they call them Zoomers and, and the characteristics of yeah. them? Then yeah. we'll kind of make a, a segue into the second episode and talk about how we can reach them. Sounds great. 
So, you know, initially, you know, first of all, it's a biblical mandate that older people are supposed to be speaking into the lives of younger people. Yes, absolutely. And, and also, it's a part of the biblical mandate, by the way, that older people ought to be listening to the younger mm-hmm. people. Um, and I think that's both so that we can guide them, but also so we don't lose touch generationally. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, Titus chapter 2 talks <clears throat> about that. But even in the Old Testament, you know, the old men, uh, you know, see visions. Was it the old men see visions and the young men? I don't know. I can't remember. But there's there's constant scriptures, you know, that compare old men with young men, mm-hmm. uh, older ladies mentoring younger ladies. Um, so, but these these characteristics for this generation are unique. One of them is, first of all, these these kids were born into a post nine eleven world. Yes, and <clears throat> I, I, you know, ironically, today is the anniversary that we're taping. This is the anniversary of of uh, Pearl Harbor. Yes, um, for my grandparents, uh, even my parents, to some extent, Pearl Harbor was the event, the defining kind of defined, moment. Yes, yeah, everybody knew where they were. Yep. Uh, the, the the nation changed in one one minute. Whereas the the boomer generation was like uh, the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, the, right. The next generation behind yeah. them, but that was yeah. their moment, um, and that's when the world. But for all of them, a lot of times that moment is when they feel less less safe. Yes. So most of these kids, by the way, though. Didn't don't remember no no nine no. eleven absolutely but the world changed yes. as they were being born. I, I remember Liz was taking me to work at Northside Baptist Church, and she was going to drop me off, and then she was taking Jaden to his two week uh, appointment wow. to, to the that, doctor appointment on that day. And I remember we turned on the radio, and we're hearing about there was a plane that crashed into one of the twin. The first one we were just kind of like, oh, there must have been a horrible accident. Horrible accident, yeah. and then all of a sudden you get and it's like there the video of the second one going in. And I remember you what you just said is, wow, this is going to change our world. This is going to change our nation. I don't know how, but it's going to change us. And and I think that those those events of it, just having a newborn, my firstborn child, and then that happening, it was like, whoa. Yeah. There, there was a there was a massive shift that happened. But you're right; they were born into. They don't know what the world was like prior to 9/11. Right, and and the 80s and 90s, while they were a weird generation, they were a rather peace. Um, there was a brief period of time where we had conflict in Nicaragua, yeah, and then another one in. Um, we had a desert storm desert that lasted storm, like a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just 100 hours. I think yeah. the actual war was. So it, it it shattered. I mean, you used to be able to go greet people as they walked off the plane. You didn't have to strip naked to go through security. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the different things that, that changed even with that. And even the first year or two afterwards, you just kind of looked at each other just like, are you a good guy, a bad guy? Yeah. When you got on the plane, it was nerve wracking. Yeah. So all, all of that said, <clears throat> the world into which they were born was not like the world into which their parents were born. Yeah. Secondly, um, and these are these are not in any particular order or necessarily connected, but the the Generation Z, and, and by the way, let's make sure we understand, Generation Z are people roughly born from year 2000 forward. 2004, yeah. yeah so, Until about, you know, two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, and, and there'll be people that say, oh, I saw 1998, and whatever. But I mean, this is what we're generally right, speaking. Right, right. Um, the, the, the second thing is that they're digitally overconnected and skilled. In fact, they're called the generation of the digital natives. Mm-hmm. So when they, there was a lot of digital technological change that took place in the 70s and 80s. We mm-hmm. literally, you know, um, went or and through the 90s. We literally went for, well, when I was taught math, 
uh, we didn't have calculators. We had slide rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like a sophomore. Then the first calculator came out that used D batteries and cost 100 bucks. The moment at Life Talks when Dan reveals he's old. <laughs> he's old. Way old. <laughs> so, but it's been really cool in my lifetime. I've gone from the slide rule yeah. to to where they're talking about implanting chips that'll do calculations in your, your brain. I know. Isn't that yeah, it's scary? It is very scary. But it is scary for us. It's not scary for Generation Z kids. No. It's normal. This is what they do. I mean, there was a show that we, there was one of these Star, Star Wars shows that me and my boys watched, and it was all about, there's, this wasn't the main point of the show, but there's, it, it was set in this time period where people could get upgrade, digital upgrades on their bodies to do mm-hmm. certain things. And you're like, you know, for me, I look at that and I'm horrified. Mm-hmm. It is like, that sounds terrifying to me. But for their generation, it's kind of like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what is going on here? Yeah, we saw a cashless society as a sign that the end was here and the Antichrist was somewhere. You know, The barcode. Yeah, the b- barcodes, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the reality is most of our kids don't carry cash. Nope. <laughs> they don't balance their checkbooks. Um, and, and they use Venmo, uh, not credit cards. That's right. So, the, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, digitally that have changed for them. They're because so, of they're, that— they're sophisticated yes. in both language and in technology yeah. and applications of it in ways that their parents aren't and never will be. For us, it will always be an intruder into our life as it was established for them. It's a welcome friend that they've known since the day they were born. Absolutely. And that and that does change the way they relate to people, oh, right? I yeah. mean, there's a massive relationship thing that what, what the digital world does is it, it creates a whole new operating system of how they relate. And I think that's something that we have to understand that yeah. from them. And again, just 40 years ago, it was not uncommon for people to just drop by somebody's house and say, hey, how y'all doing? You know, and just you shoot the breeze Oh, man, I remember when people stopped by your house. It was normal. Yeah. And, t- and, and today, <laughs> the equivalent of that is to drop somebody a text. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, W-Y-B, where you been? Yeah. <laughs> no, can, can you imagine someone dropping by your house today? You would be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, well, I wouldn't answer the door. <laughs> I'd tell everybody, be quiet and wait till they leave. <laughs> and the reason I know that's what I would do is because that's what I've done. <laughs> um, the third thing is, uh, this is a big thing. We hear a lot about it, but they're ridden with mental health concerns. Oh, man. Whether it's anxiety, depression, OCD, ADHD, they know all the the... Maladies and the and the def, you I mean know. You, you could call it the disorder generation because everyone claims a disorder a mental disorder of some kind yeah and and <clears throat> let's I want to be careful here but it is trendy and there is going to be perhaps a little bit of inflation of the reality based on its trendiness yes. I believe that's very very true of things like sexual orientation yeah. and sexual identity. hundred kind of percent. Yeah. At the same time, when the trendiness leaves it, I still believe that there has been a significant uptick for a variety of reasons, among them being overly connected to technology, being born into a world at war, uh, you know, having COVID hit them in their yes. formative years. Yeah. All of those things have created some anxiety and some stress. On top of the fact that the world is just more complicated and yeah. the media is just so much louder and media, including social media. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. It permeates every part of our life. There is no rest from it. From the moment they get up, the first thing they do is check their, their messages to the, uh, their, their texts to the last thing they do at night is watch the latest TikTok video. Yeah. And it's something I'm not sure that I I don't mean to veer, veer us off too much, but it feels like there's this apocalyptic threat that they have 
I mean, maybe it's post nine mm-hmm. eleven. But even if you look at all the movies, I, I relate a lot of the, mo- the apocalyptic movies that are out today. A lot of zombie movies, a lot of end of the world movies mm-hmm. that you just it just they're normal, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to the type of genre of literature that was around during Jesus' time where they always felt like this is the end. Yeah. But when you 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 subconsciously are when you're always watching shows about the end of the world, the end of the world, there's no sense of tomorrow is not secure. Right. And so you can understand why there's this level of anxiety that has been bred into them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So And I think to some extent parents have kind of infected their kids. This isn't one of my points, but if I were to add an 11th point this would be it. I believe we've overparented. Oh, 100%. And by, by that, I would say the kids that are growing up to now have been so raised in such a fear-based culture that their pa- parents were afraid to let them play in their yard. The parents were afraid to let mm-hmm. them, uh, you know, engage in normal social interactions, even like in a store. Um, I was walking through the store one day and a little girl started talking to me and, and, and I'm smiling back at her and the mother kind of walks up to her like, you know, what are you doing? Do not. Yeah. yeah and, and the little girl looks up and says, oh, it's okay, mom. He's old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but obviously there've been conversations that have taken place there Yeah. that, and, and I'm nervous to talk to children. It used to be, you know, you'd, you'd you, talk and give them a sucker, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and today. Now the creepy old, you know, creepy cre- old man. Creepy old man. So, so you got to watch out that. And the fourth thing is they were very imp- heavily impacted by COVID. Stop yes. and think about it. You're in your 40s. I'm in my 60s. Uh, for us, that represented at most 2 3% of our life. But for somebody who's 20, COVID was represented 20 or 10 to 20% of their life. So that's, that's a significant shift. Absolutely. And, and, and so for, for a lot of our kids, um, again, this hyper fear, this sensitivity uh, to, you know, catastrophe um and the then isolation the isolation yes uh whether from you know instruction and and we're starting to see stunning test results just and and to, i was this morning just listening to an article many colleges are not even using acts because and SATs. It, they, they lost a generation they lost a generation like. and there's social reasons behind it too that have to do with our wokeism but but the reality is um a lot of kids suffered academically yeah. and that is going to ripple through our economy our research everything for yeah for a hundred years. Yeah. Um, another thing is that they actively question authority of all kinds. They, they, this is not a shock. If you're <laughs> if you are a parent right now, you're like, duh. Yeah. Well, teen- <laughs> teenagers have always struggled with the shift that comes with becoming an adult and the authorities in their life. But th- but they but we're talking all authority. All authority, parental authority, spiritual. They don't authority, care if there's a if there's legal letters before your name or after a name means yeah. nothing to and them. And the culture has done a really really great job of contributing to that, yeah. uh, both by overt rebellion and also by undermining our own reputations. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, young people are very idealistic. They can smell a hypocrite from a mile and a half away. Yeah. So uh, when we give them reasons to mistrust us, they will take those. Yeah. Uh, and then the media amplifies them yeah. as well. Uh, the next one is they're very comfortable with duplicity and dualism. Hmm. So they, they have learned to survive philosophically, behaviorally, emotionally, relationally, um, by by compartmentalizing their life. Dualism is probably an overly simplification, oversimplification because it it uh, kind of assigns two and it's a lot more than two. I mean, they're just, I think maybe a better way to put it is they're chameleons. Yeah. You yeah. know, they, they kind of blend in wherever they go to adapt to the the... the, the 
environment that right. they're in. And we've all we're all prone to that. Um, you know, we I remember when I was a kid, the preachers would talk about that. You're in your honky tonk on Saturday night, and on <laughs> Sunday morning, you're singing in the choir. Uh, what what has happened now, though, is they're not ashamed of that. <laughs> No, They're there's, there's nothing to hide. They, yeah. they love Jesus and and uh, they love tender. Um, yeah, they you know they they love. They have no problem p- playing in a worship band and also doing drugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. So this dualism, um, I believe, also is a reflection of where they're at spiritually. Hmm. They consider themselves spiritual, and by spiritual, I I would say not in terms of a relationship with God, but in a relationship with. The mysterious, mm. uh, you know, the the unknown, uh, that that part of them that is unique, um, you, you know. Uh, it's interesting how often many of them are infatuated with things like Buddhism, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, New Age and so mm-hmm. forth, um, which has even less it has even less foundation upon its validity than Christianity or even, you know, the the monotheistic religions. However, it allows them to define and redefine freely um, more so because there's not an absolute, um, compo- as big an absolute component in... in like, because they, I don't think they want to say no to anything. No, no. Which brings me to the dominant religious belief of Generation Z is therapeutic moral deism. Mm-hmm. So we, we did, but we did a few episodes on that. We did, a while ago, we yeah. did uh, at some point ago. Uh, but I, w- I would just simply say the research shows that, it, that they wouldn't know the term um, no. therapeutic moral deism. But if you know the term, you say, "Oh yeah, that's absolutely this generation." Mm-hmm. Which basically is they believe in a higher power, a god of some sort. Many for cultural reasons, or simply because they don't know what else to believe in. But that's this god is very malleable. Um, and he looks just like them. He and cares about if they feel better. He, it, it's all about feelings. <laughs> and are you happy? That's yeah. the number one thing. Yeah. Are you happy? Uh, so uh, God created me this way. This makes me happy. Um, God wants me to be happy. That's one of his tenets. Mm-hmm. None of which are based on anything authoritative other than what they've assigned to right. the God in their life. Um, but they do believe that there is a need for basic morality, but that it doesn't come from God. It actually comes from man. Mm. So the, and, and, and belief in God will make you a better person yeah. therapeutically. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, they're very entrepreneurial. Mm. Uh, and and they think outside the box, which we always, you know, we we, we love that. Think outside the box. Um, for years, man, we lived in the box. Yeah. You know, you dressed a certain way. You I mean, work nine to five. You. My, you, my kids will tell me how much every YouTuber they watch makes per year. Mm-hmm. YouTuber ticked. I mean, whatever they're, they're they're watching, they're like, this person makes X amount of dollars doing what they're doing. Yeah. And so there's uh, there's a part of this generation that thinks, I can I can find a way to monetize anything. Yeah. Right. And so they have this idea of of creating wealth, which is kind of a cool thing. Which right? is kind of interesting also because the monetization is dependent upon consumerism. Right. Because they're selling advertising. That's yes. that's how they the make their thing. money. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet they would claim to be anti consumeristic. <laughs> so it, it it is kind of an interesting circle. But they do think outside the box. I mean, and you know, they don't want to work at an office. They want to work from home. Yeah. They want to work from the road. They want to work from the Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily want to work nine to five or or eight to four or whatever. They want to work when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think there's some good things in this. I think we became slaves to our jobs. Yeah. Slaves to our employers. Part of the American success story has been our our 
stunning work ethic. I think Japan takes it all to a whole new <laughs> level. Um, but at, at, at some point, you know, Americans, and I, I'd love to do an episode on my theory on this, but we are rebels. <laughs> That's how we got here. Mm. And we're entrepreneurs because mm. entrepreneurs are the people who would get in a boat and sail across an ocean to get a fresh start. That's right. It's not going to be your faithful, duty-driven, nine-to-five Absolutely, person. Absolutely, 100%. So in our DNA, the people that settled this country have passed that on. Uh, yep. Quite well. It's more than just our culture, I believe. The ninth thing is that they 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 embrace very blurry values. Mm. Uh, they again are, are malleable. Um, what you know, we used to say, well, the Bible says it. That settles it. I believe it. You know, <laughs> uh, th- but the reality is, um, they're more influenced by what their friends are doing That's or right. somebody they know. That's right. One of the you know used to be very clear black and whites on morality, mm-hmm. uh, but then they know a lot of people who are now divorced, who are gay, who are yeah. uh, trans, who are yeah. all these things, and now their morality has shifted because the higher morality in their culture and the way they've been reared is to be acceptant, tolerant, and embracing. Mm. So this the DEI, you know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion mentality uh, that we see corporately is very much um, at root in the hearts of yes. the individuals. Yes. Then the last thing is they're very frightened by the future. You mm. talk to a lot of Generation Z kids, and they'll tell you, "We don't want to have children." Yeah, they they might get married someday. Yeah, but they're not. Yeah, they're not going to have children. They don't yeah. want. They don't want to bring children into this world. And and there's yeah, that's the primary thing is they're uncertain of the future. They don't want to inflict that on their kids. Some of it is they they truly consider it environmentally um, uh, irresponsible hmm. because the their culture again has grown up with the idea that we're murdering our planet. Hmm. Um, and and so and 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 uh, humans are the enemies. I mean, there's literally now a new movement out. Uh, that is promoting the extinction of the human race, that it would mm. eventually completely be killed out mm. and theoretically in their worldview that evolution would would have to start all over again. Yeah. So so this is these are people that are voices in their life. You and I, as mature adults who've seen other things, look at it and say, oh, well, that's a load of baloney. Yeah. They listen to it and say, that's a valid, rational yeah. uh, proposition. Yeah, so, absolutely. So that's kind of a background for when you're talking to Zoomers. That's a part of where they're – not every Zoomer is the same, yeah. but in, it's a generalization. And I think it's a pretty yeah. I, I think what what you shared today was really important because I think it it does give us a very good understanding of the dimensions of of these young people that we're dealing with. And if you don't understand this, then you're not going to know how to reach them. You're not going to know how to lead them. And so, anyways, that's what we're going to talk about next time. I hope this has been an enlightening uh, you know episode for you. Maybe maybe you have kids that are Gen Z. Maybe you have grandkids. Maybe you just are interested in in impacting the next generation. Um, but whatever that might be, I hope that this has been an episode that has challenged your thinking. Um, not to complain. Not to you know you know look at them, look down upon this next generation, but to look at what who they are and what they are, and to see the great opportunity we have to impact them for Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today on Life Talks. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.